Hey, this is Dex with a new addiction, and you're listening to Disaster on the Brutally Delicious Podcast. So, anyway, how are you doing today, man, now that we got all this mess out of the way? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing very well, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Where are you at? You out west? No, I'm actually in the Midwest. Oh, so you're dealing with all this heat right now? It is. It's warm here, for sure. <laughs> Breaking records, I saw. Uh, Humidity-wise, probably. All right, cool. Well, we could just jump right into a, a new addiction if you want. Um, parting from Three Years Hollow or separate from Three Years Hollow, how did this uh, a new addiction come about? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I had um, a bunch of arrangements um, that I've kind of uh, put together from different riffs and licks that I've written uh, over, like, the past decade. And uh, I started just kind of... Um, uh, you know, putting them in, in song form and, uh, you know, arranging them, um, that's pretty, that's pretty much as rock songs. Uh, but I wrote everything on the bass guitar. So, um, you know, it was a lot of material that, uh, I couldn't really use in like three years hollow or some of the other projects I, I was in. Um, and yeah, one day I was just, I was talking to, uh, I was actually talking to Jose Urquiza, the singer for three years hollow. And I'm like, Hey man, I've, I've got some of these arrangements and, uh, you know, of course he knows what I can do already. And he's like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's see some stuff and started playing a song. He's like, dude, he's like, we got to record some of this and get some of this content out there. And, uh, that was actually a different song. It wasn't uh, the single I just re- released. It was actually a song called fishtail. Um, so him and I spent like uh, a couple hours in the, in the studio one day and, tracked all the bass and then we put some sampled drums to it just using a pro program on, on pro tools. Right. And, uh, right away we were like, okay, um, we're like, this is going to be super cool. We need to get real players in here to play on this. <clears throat> so first drummer that popped in our head, of course, was Morgan Rose. Cause, uh, you know, Jose and I have both had a relationship with Morgan since around 2011. Uh, he, he was the A&R guy for imagine records still is and uh you know imagine sign three years hollow uh back in 2013 so i've just known morgan forever um you know and we we get along really well and uh he's always been um he's just always been really supportive of me and, and kind of talked me up you know so he was out of the studio one night and we were like hey man uh we got a song we can check it out um we want you to play on it he listened to it and he's like hell yeah i'll play on it and he went in the drum room for maybe an hour and just laid down some killer drums. We sat in the mixing room and we just kind of looked at each other and just kind of smiled the whole time. Because right. We knew it was going to be something super, super cool. And, uh, that's pretty much how we got, I guess, to that point. Um, you know, I had never really anticipated or, or uh, had any, um, intentions of it, you know, turning into this big project and, and, uh, you know, releasing a single and stuff like that. But, um, I guess we can talk about that as well. Yeah. I mean, that's disaster is, was out on June 4th, I believe was the date it came out, right? Correct. Yes. And what's been the response to it so far? Has it been pretty good? It's been really good. Um, 
you know, it debuted on Spotify really, really well. And, uh, you know, for an artist with brand new artist with, with, uh, one song, it did really, really well. Um, and it's still continuing to do well. Uh, yeah, I've done probably 30 interviews, um, you know, the past couple weeks. Right. So a lot of people are interested in it. And, you know, I know the, there's some, there's some good names on it and, um, it's just, it's, it's a unique song and it's, it's just a little bit different. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the approach to, uh, to recording was, was different than, you know, your, your conventional. And was that, due, was that due to the pandemic? Well, I, I mean, we, so all these songs I wrote on the bass guitar, so we track bass first on everything, which is a little bit different than you would generally do your typical recordings. Um, so basically, yeah, these are songs that's just, they're really bass and drum driven. You know, that was, those were the first two instruments recorded. And then, uh, we had no, you know, uh, preconceived idea of what guitars were even going to sound like. We're just like, all right, let's bring a guitar player in and just kind of let him, you know, noodle around a little bit and we'll just, we'll pick stuff that sounds cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, we built the songs as we, you know, added different instruments to them. So it was cool to see them just kind of come to life. Uh, you know, normally you have like a guitar, you know, a guitar player and a, and a vocalist. That's kind of how you get the, you know, the melodies and yeah, and uh, write the songs and stuff like that. So this was a little bit different. It was a lot of fun for sure. I don't think I've ever really talked to anyone who's used that approach of writing on the bass. Is that something you've normally done or is that something you did for this record just for this yeah i mean these songs uh you know it's a lot of um all the songs are i'm either slapping or tapping um the bass and uh it's just it's different it's it's uh it's you know fun to uh it's fun to watch in a live setting as well too you know because you don't see a lot of uh these techniques being played and and uh you know kind of these songs, they are a little bit different, but they're also kind of, uh, you know, in the vein of active rock, you know, they're all three and a half minutes long and they're all pretty standard rock formula. Um, but there's just some different, you know, some different bass tones in there and some different noises you don't normally hear. So I was reading in the bio, um, this is a project, um, based on like addictive personalities and, and your addictive personalities, how does it make you feel? It's a two part question. How does it make you feel when you have, you put that out there? Does it make you feel super vulnerable? And are you, did you question whether you should put that out there or? No, absolutely not. I mean, um, you know, you know, people that know me, um, you know, know the type of person I am. I, uh, I'm involved in like a lot of other trades and stuff. And, and I'd say the notoriety for music has definitely helped me in, uh, you know, a lot of other areas in my life. Um, but I mean, you'll talk to a lot of musicians who will tell you the same thing, man, if they're not playing music, you know, they're out doing stupid shit or they're, you know, um, it's, it's just, it's real common, you know, And, and some people, you know, addiction, uh, can, it doesn't necessarily have to be drugs. I mean, it could be, you know, you're addicted to, uh, you know, going out and, and, you know, hanging out with different girls every night or going right, to the right. bar, you know, there's, there's the bad side of it, but there's also the good side, you know, I mean, you can be addicted to, you know, to jogging or, or, you know, eating healthy. Yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, 
you know, we don't call it an addiction when you're when you're doing those things on a regular basis. And but it really is because it becomes something that you constantly need in your life and without it you feel you know you almost feel lost so um yeah i've kind of been you know i think of different ways to uh kind of you know talk about this as i do these interviews but uh yeah man you know my thing is it's it's a positive thing 100 percent um you know i i don't uh i don't have you know any major major issues or battles that i fight with uh these days but i you know throughout the years there's been some things that uh i've uh you know had to to get away from and and music was always there to kind of guide me i guess you know because i knew that that's ultimately what i wanted to do and you know someday i was going to be you know at the top of the game so i find that when i talk to a lot of musicians especially about this topic that um getting it out there is cathartic putting all that but that's in your head into the songs is super cathartic do you find that as well i do um you know i'm a performer i think above anything else um you know the the recording and writing is writing to me is more um i just come up with cool stuff that sounds cool to me i don't really you know uh have whole arrangements that i work out you know daily it's usually just a couple riffs and and uh you know if i like something then i'll start working off that but uh um you know so the recording uh i like it you know it's fun um but man i I just you know i'm a performer and i i love to be on stage and and, uh right i love that energy with the crowd and stuff um so I'll stick with this for one second, then I'll move into the next question. But along those same lines, do you have uh, you must have people that come up to you and say, "Hey, this song has connected with me on a on a different level than just you know listening to it with the radio blasting in my car." It's got to connect on an emotional level as well, right? Man, you know, um, yeah, I've had a lot of people say that. Even uh, I, I, uh, I interviewed with uh, Jai, um, the Aussie metal guy, and the first thing he said, he's like, man, he's like, I, he's like, I've listened to this like, you know, six times in a row because, um, you know, I just really connected with him. Uh, so lyrically and, and, uh, the music as well, he's like the music, you know, it's just badass. And then you got those lyrics to go with it. He's like, it's just a really, you know, well put together piece of music. Okay. What's the plan to take this out on the road? Is there any plans at all? I know you're, um, things are starting to open up, and yeah. So, um, well, you know, I, I play in Three Years Hollow as well, and uh, we, we've got some touring plans later this summer and fall. Um, I think with a new addiction, my plan right now is just to kind of keep pushing this single for a while. Um, I'm going to start doing like some live playthroughs and uh, just some cool stuff to get. Um, like I said, I want to get the uh, the visual side of it out there too. Um, because it's just as interesting to watch as it is to hear. Right. Uh, so I think that's going to be pretty cool when I start doing that. Um, but as far as a new addiction touring, you know, Morgan, uh, Morgan Rose is obviously busy. Seven dust is going to be booked the entire year. So yeah. I, I don't think he would, you know, if I do put the live machine together, uh, I don't think it'll be this year, but I, I would like to see that happen. Um, 
you know, soon. Um, but I would, I will probably find, you know, some other players right. uh, for the live machine that will have the time to, to dedicate to it. So, so looking forward, you, sorry, go ahead. No, but yeah, I, I mean, I really want, yeah, I want to play these songs live because they're badass. Yeah. So looking forward, are you planning on following the new model? Because I think the music business has taken on sort of a new model now, right? It's singles every month to six weeks or something, rather than the full-length record or an EP. Is that the plan then, to just release another single? Yeah, so um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think, yeah, we might do maybe one more single. I'd have to talk, I'd, I'd probably talk to my manager about that, but I think we'll probably ride this disaster thing out for at least a couple months because it's just a little bit different than um, a lot of the other stuff that's out there that's coming out right now. So I'll probably give it a little bit longer. But, yeah, I'd say six to eight eight week cycle on a single is pretty much, you know, standard. Um, You know, but, yeah, I want to – I have plans to release the EP later this fall. So that's that's my goal is late fall, you know, I'll have – uh, probably six song EP for everyone, and m- most of the material is already recorded, so it's not it's not anything that's going to be out of right. question. So. How do you see the music business panning out? Because obviously, it has to reinvent itself after all of its nonsense. Is you think that's going to be the new model the the one single instead of the full length record with the e- with the artwork and the, you know the liner notes and all that stuff? Well, it seems to be the way a lot of bands are going now, and, and I've talked about this in a couple other interviews. Uh, you know, my personal opinion is if you're a new artist, I would record a few songs. I would pick one that you think is the best and maybe, you know, some other uh, people whose opinions you value, uh, you know, agree. And then, um, yeah, pick one, release it as a single, kind of see what happens, you know, if, if, if the sound catches on or if... Uh, it's something that, you know, a direction you want to continue to go down, you know, then you already have a pretty good idea, um, you know, of the response to that. So then you can gauge, man, if you want to do, you know, four or five song EP or right. a full length record. I mean, if you're going to do a full length, I would, I would hope that you would have, you know, some sort of money, financial backing behind you with a label maybe because it just gets really expensive um, to do that. So I would say, yeah, if you're a new artist, record two or three songs, pick one, do a single, you know, see if it's going to be something that pops off. And if it is, then, then, you know, you kind of got a, a product right? and then market it, you know, then talk, start thinking about your EP. I would probably do an EP for a new artist, um, you know, and rather than 10 to 12 songs or whatever. Yeah. I think it's different. And maybe it's, maybe it's cause I'm old school and, and dating myself, but I, I missed the days of the, you know, come and go in the record store, picking up the, the the full thing where it was sequenced purposefully, and everything was you know there was artwork and there were liner notes, and I wanted to see where it was written and who recorded it and who produced it and whatever. That whole art form is gone, I think, because we're just into singles now. Man, I, you know, I agree with you one hundred percent on that, and I actually I, I just talked about this with uh, someone else. Um, yeah, you know, it used to be. <laughs> you know, you released an album, then you then you pick the single, you know, right. off of that album, or what was going to be the first single, the second single, or whatever. And uh, yeah, times have definitely changed. You know, I would say the last five or six years, even more so than than even the last ten to fifteen ten to fifteen years. Um, 
but yeah, it seems like the single is kind of the way to go. And, and, uh, I guess I can't, I don't really, you know, I can't say if that's a good or bad thing. I think it, I think it's working for a lot of artists right now. So, yeah, I guess I'm just old school and you know, that's what I was used to. And it was a whole ritual of, you know, going to the record store on Tuesday and picking it up and, and listening to oh. the way you recorded it and sequence. Right. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I, I miss that too, for sure. So, you know, we get kids like my son who just want the one song and they don't have it. They have attention span of gnats. And then <laughs> the whole thing has sort of morphed into a, a music business that I don't even recognize. It is, it, it, man, it has changed so much. And uh, it's kind of one of those things you have to accept, you know, or just live in the past. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, I mean, really, it is. You know, I've, I've talked about this with other people, too. And it's like, well, what do we do? And it's like, well, we just fucking accept it. And keep pressing forward, you know, because that's really the only choice. That is the only choice, right. But I guess yeah. I'm going to go begrudgingly because I still like the, uh, <laughs> I have that in me still, so I'm the old uh, the old cooter in the back of the room. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you all the way, man. Um, did I miss anything that you wanted to cover? I know we talked about your new single coming out, uh, road stuff. Uh, you know, um, I just want to talk about... Uh, just the, the people that have been helping me put this whole thing together. Um, I'd like to, you know, the, the guy that Justin Taylor from Auburn came in and played guitar and did some vocals on, uh, on disaster. And, um, he's a good friend of mine and, and, uh, a really good player. So I want to make sure that, you know, um, he gets the recognition that he deserved because I mean, he, he was as much involved, uh, you know, with the writing as I was, right. um, and just did, and just came in and, and gave it 100%. So, um, yeah, man, you know, um, and then like Sean O'Donnell, she's been doing a great job for she's me. Great. Um, yeah, my manager, Tom Baumgartner, he's awesome. Uh, Jose Arquiza, uh, you know, the singer for Three Years Hollow, he yeah. produces all my stuff. He owns the Attic Studio in Genesee, Illinois. So if you're a new artist and you're looking for direction and, you know, someone that, people that know what they're doing and will that can get you to the places you want to be um you know that's a good place to start three years to ink um tom Baumgartner. uh they're just doing good things man um and producing a lot of good bands right now so awesome thank you for taking the time right. man have a great day be safe i appreciate right, it thank cheers, you cheers my friend bye yeah bye
Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time and being so honest. Yeah, thanks. Be well. Cool, I'll chat. send you that link tonight. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Be safe. Bye. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.